Watch the dying of the day, another setting sun. We find redemption in the love that we want. Just a little company until our work is done. Welcome to Green Eagle Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the NFL season is now officially over. We have crowned a champion, and we have witnessed one of the more wild Super Bowls in NFL history. And right off the bat, we spent most of our last podcast talking about whether or not the Packers' playoff loss was the worst one in our memory It certainly has another contender right now, as the Seattle Seahawks, if you ask them to a man and ask any one of the 12th man, I bet you they would have gladly traded places with the Packers after what happened to them last night. Losing to New England, 28-24, the biggest fourth quarter comeback ever uh, by a team were the Patriots, and then of course the Russell Wilson interception on the one-yard line with less than 30 seconds to play. So a lot to talk about here Matt, what a game. Uh, I, I really don't know how to yeah. preface it other than that. <laughs> yeah, it was really incredible, too. It, it had sort of a slow start, and then just in that second half just really ramped up, and it was definitely one of the better ones we've seen. I was trying to kind of compare it to some of the other great ones we've seen, most of them including the Patriots. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and that was another crazy stat, that out of the six they've been in here recently, that all of them have been decided by a touchdown, and they've all been really good games. Yeah, and I think this it was one, four points or less all six games. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, this one, the Carolina and the Rams one were all really, really great, and those are some of the best ones we've seen. But, yeah, this one was probably uh, as weird as we've seen for sure. Yeah, I really could not compare it to anything. Just the wild bounces and, you know, when you had really back-and-forth games with some remarkable plays, I think of that Pittsburgh and Arizona game, but those were all, I don't know how to describe it, like, those plays were done through great effort, and like the the weird plays yesterday were like one team trying to give it away. It it wasn't as sloppy as like Pittsburgh and Seattle. It was a well played game, but just some weird wild bounces. And I guess apropos of uh, the Super Bowl this year, considering how strange this entire playoffs has been. Yeah, and, and the weird bounces too have kind of followed Seattle around for the last few years too. It seems like, and it, and with that catch by uh, Curse yesterday too, it seemed like it was going to continue. And I think we were both certain that they were going to score a touchdown on that drive at the end there after that. And mm-hmm. um, somehow they finally didn't get a bounce to go their way. Kind of two guys going up for the ball at the same time, and their guy didn't get it. So it seemed like everything was going their way, and they were going to have it happen again with that weird magic that they seem to have, but uh, it didn't happen. I was almost sick to my stomach when Tom Brady scored with 2.08 left because I was sure Russell Wilson was going to win, and he was going to get the MVP, and then we would have to hear forever about how great this guy was. And instead, he went down the field and destroyed his own legacy, which was very strange. Let's talk about that because that's the biggest story coming out of yesterday's game was the the choice by Seattle to pass the ball from the one-yard line when they have Marshawn Lynch and... uh, I've heard different things, but Pete Carroll's really getting slammed for this one, as is Daryl Bevel. What was your reaction to that? Uh, I don't know if I was that into the game where when they came out in a shotgun formation that it 
it raised any eyebrows for me. I've heard people say, what are they, they reacted like, what are they doing? Which so many teams run the spread option now that, you know, Russell Wilson being in the shotgun didn't seem that strange to me. Man, it was second down. Um, what was your reaction? Because mine, I was shocked when the interception happened, but from the formation, I didn't think of anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, so to kind of preface that, I, I started the game sort of, I mean, rooting for the Patriots, but not too crazy about it, and by the time that drive was on, I was like full-fledged Patriots mm-hmm, fan, mm-hmm. and they came out on that play in the shotgun, but I was still certain it was going to be a you know a read option or a draw or something, some sort of a run up the middle, yeah. and as soon as I saw them not hand it off, and Wilson not looking to run, I was just absolutely shocked, <laughs> and um, for them to throw the ball there, I... Chris Collinsworth lost his mind when they decided yeah. uh, to make that play call. I, it, They made the wrong call. I think that's pretty clear. But at the same time, I can see it, too, why they did what they did. I mean, they thought they had a bad matchup against the run. Russell Wilson's been so clutch. I mean, as much as we don't like the guy, he's he's already won you a Super Bowl. He's thrown you into a win in the NFC Championship game just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't distrust him with the ball at this point. And for him to have a mismatch on the outside, a slant route, which was there, just thrown maybe a second too late. Um, I, I think it was the wrong call to not run it, but really, I mean, it's not that rare to see somebody throw it once in four downs. It, it seems like he explained it as saying, we were probably going to run the next two times, but they had to stop the clock at some point, too, in those four downs if they weren't going to get in as well. So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good points that kind of make it seem like, yeah, okay, I get it. So I'm not as out of my mind as, say, the announcers or a lot of people are saying that, you know, they cost them the game and, and it was definitely the wrong call, which it probably was. But I don't know. I, I'm not as outraged as I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I think it was the wrong call. Uh, you know, as, as you said, being at the one-yard line, you have Marshawn Lynch, you have Russell Wilson. To yeah. stop Marshawn Lynch at the one, regardless of whether or not he's had much success, this year, it's one down, it's second down. You could have tried it three times, you probably would have got in. Yeah. But you would think, especially if they're they're lining up to read option, if you're going to stop Marshawn Lynch, you're going to have to crash one point with your whole defense. And if Russell Wilson takes that back and selects the option, he could have walked to the pylon. And oh, yeah, and he hadn't been tackled all game. No, exactly. He was running all over those guys. But here's the thing. Pete Carroll's getting destroyed, and he took full credit for it. Daryl Bevel is... We'll talk about whose legacy was hurt the worst, but Daryl Bevel might be my nominee because he was on a short list for a lot of head coaching jobs, and that might yeah. not be possible anymore uh, after what happened yesterday. And he kind of threw uh, – I can't remember the receiver, but he uh, threw the receiver under the bus. Was it Lockett, the one who was there yeah. on the ball? Yeah. Yeah, so he kind of threw him under the bus. But here is the thing. It seems to me like there is an inordinate uh, – I was trying to say – but an unfair amount of criticism going towards Pete Carroll and – towards Daryl Bevel. Uh, First of all, I thought it was funny that people spent two weeks lambasting Mike McCarthy for being too conservative, and then Seattle lost the Super Bowl being too aggressive. So clearly it doesn't matter what you do as long as you win. It's just whatever doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Pete Carroll uh, is getting destroyed for it. Daryl Bevel is. And I... Maybe I am not reading or watching the right things, but I feel like Russell Wilson is not getting that much criticism for this. It's all about the coaching decision. Would you agree? Yeah, and I haven't listened to too much uh, of the talk on it today, but I haven't heard really anything go towards Wilson there. Mm -hmm. And I I completely agree. I mean, if the... Yeah, he's the one that made the bad throw. I mean, it was pretty much a jump ball in that situation. You can't make that throw if it's close. 
So I, I think the call was fine. I think that he probably just needed to tuck it down and run it at that point if the throw wasn't completely obvious that it was a wide-open pass. So, mm-hmm. I again, I'm not completely disagreeing with the play call, although I think it was the wrong call. But, uh, I mean, everybody was expecting Lynch to run. If you have an open throw there, throw it or throw it away. And that's maybe where I think that they really screwed up is he didn't just throw it away or tuck it down when they were uh, you know, clearly not in the open there on the pick play. Yeah, and I'm going to sound like Skip Bayless here. I'm putting this almost 100% on Russell Wilson. And because I'm such a stat nerd, I went back. I had to know because people were talking about, how dare you throw it on the one-yard line? Well, Aaron Rodgers on the one-yard line in his career, 28 pass attempts, 17 completions, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. Tom Brady, 54 pass attempts, 38 completions, 35 touchdowns, no interceptions. These are career numbers for these guys. Peyton Manning, 75 attempts, 42 completions, 39 touchdowns, one interception in his whole career. The entire NFL since 1998, which is as far back as the stats go on Pro Football Reference for play stats. Quarterbacks from the one-yard line threw the ball 1,383 times for 721 touchdown passes and 42 interceptions. So that's 3% of those passes intercepted. 52% of pass attempts from the one-yard line since 1998 have resulted in touchdown passes. And here is my favorite. In 2014, 109 passes were attempted from the one-yard line, 66 touchdowns, and one lonely interception from Russell Wilson at wow. the one-yard line in the Super Bowl. Wow. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's a crazy stat, and, and you don't really think of those kind of plays getting intercepted. I mean, that was just a, a heck of a play by the DB there, mm-hmm. too. But, yeah, that's that's an insane stat that there wasn't any other <laughs> uh, interceptions this year. Well, and I don't know. Russell Wilson, we've been on this for a long time, where I, I can't stand that he gets this talk of being this elite quarterback. He makes some really amazing throws, and then he makes some really terrible ones. Mm-hmm. Chris Collinsworth kept talking about how, oh my gosh, his arm is so strong that he throws them high, which is fine, but they're like punts. It reminds me of Michael Vick early in his career when Joe Theismann would just <laughs> salivate about the accuracy when you'd see Brian Finnegan have to do a cartwheel to catch a ball. Freaking out over a 20-yard overthrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like Russell Wilson has a little of that going on, and they see the potential, and he certainly could get better. But right now, it's completely premature for them to put him in that kind of uh, category. And I don't think he played all that well yesterday. Even with the great drive against the Packers, he had a 44 passer rating to beat them. It's. We said it all season that they'll score 24 points. No matter what, they'll score 24. And yesterday, that's exactly what they did, and it wasn't enough. And maybe I'm picking on somebody that's kind of irritating me, and his post-game press conference was sounded like an American Family Insurance ad where he was just saying, oh, man, you know, that plays 100% on me, and i got to make the throw there, but it's all a learning experience. It's just how I get better, and I can take this and go back and try to win another Super Bowl and... I get it, and he might just be that swell of a guy, and I'm not trying to pick on him as a person. I'm sure he's great. But to me, if that was my quarterback, wouldn't that piss you off a little bit as a player? You just threw the play that statistically nobody does, throws an interception on the one-yard line, and you ruined our team's entire legacy. We could have been one of the best teams in history, and now we're the 85 Bears or 96 Packers who had a really nice season and then crapped it all away in the biggest stage. 
and you're not even bothered by it? How does that not eat you up inside? And maybe he went, he's just great and puts on a great public face. But if that was, if he's not at least amongst his teammates, showing some emotion, like Tony Romo when they lost to the Packers on a fluke play where he, he made the play and the rule took it away from him, he was devastated. He said, I can't believe this has happened. I'm sure I'll get over this, but it's not going to be for a while. If somebody gave me this, hey, attaboy speech after they just threw away our legacy, I would, I don't know if I could follow that guy. Right. (laughs) And I think you're probably right about him putting on the face. I I think that a lot of what we hear from him is probably legitimately him, but I think, I mean, nobody can be like that at all times, and if they are, I don't want to be around them. That's (laughs) kind of, yeah, nauseating, but... I, I think he kind of had some time to think about it on the field, and then by the time the press conference rolls around, he's got everything he's planned to say, you know, in his back pocket. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. After seeing the emotions from a couple weeks ago when they beat us, I imagine he was feeling it a little bit inside. But, sure. uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think with the legacy thing with him, I, I, I don't get how the people put him in that elite category already. And it's not like it was just a couple of people. I mean, a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. And it's clearly, he's good, and I'll give him credit for that, but he's clearly more of a, a benefactor of what's around him there. Um, you know, much like a lot of other guys that we've seen, too. I mean, nobody thinks Eli Manning's elite, but because yeah. he won two Super Bowls, we have to say he's a Hall of Famer, and he was great. Yeah. And now everybody thinks he stinks again because he doesn't have the talent around him he's anymore. He's got an 81 career passer rating, which is worse than Bart Starr. Who, yeah. So... I think that's coming around, but but yeah, I mean the point is with Russell Wilson, yeah, he's good, and I think he's even better than Eli Manning. But he had 20 touchdowns, seven picks this year. Those are Ryan Tannehill numbers. Yep. And so, but he yeah, he has a better defense than Tannehill. Yeah, a, a better running better game. Defense. Yeah. He needs to score 15 points a game. Well, that's not that hard. <laughs> a couple of bombs and a, and a field goal. You know, and, and especially on a defense that's great and gives you nothing but short fields. How hard is it to get 15 points a game? And he's going to get better, and he seems like a guy who's very dedicated. And I know it's easy to kick him while he's down, but I was kicking him while he was up. Yeah, so we've I... been kicking him for years now, so we're <laughs> <Yeah>. allowed. <laughs> exactly. We just finally get to be right for this one day. The Legion of Boom got... Oh, I, I was going to say boomed, but I couldn't think of anything. I froze in some kind of... But the Legion of Boom got beat up quite a bit yesterday, and to have that defense, as cocky as they were... A sp- Flashing, like, what was, uh, Richard Sherman was flashing the number over at, uh, Darrell Revis, and apparently one of the guys picked up the ball and pretended to check and see if it was deflated or not, and they were yep. just laughing it up when they were up 24 to 14, and to have that defense that was calling themselves the best of all time on the pregame show getting compared to the Steel Curtain to just completely give it away in the second half was as satisfying as anything I've seen non-Packers in a long time. Yeah, I can agree with that, too, and I feel a little bad saying it, but when they showed Richard Sherman on the sideline after that interception and all of a sudden his face changed to look like he was instantly crying, like, I just felt good inside, <laughs> and I had to rewind it and watch it again. <laughs> like, that was so good, and, it, and it's, we probably, they probably irritate us a little bit more because of the Packers' experience with them, but, I mean, there's some super obnoxious guys on that team. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, Sherman, yeah. um, Russell Wilson, and... And all these, Doug Baldwin, I mean, all these guys are just terrible. Michael Be- uh, Bennett yelled at reporters for... Michael, yeah, I saw that yelling, uh, saying a reporter the most physical activity he'd ever done yeah. was pick up a microphone and just being... Yeah. I mean, and then the fight they get How in many college degrees does Michael Bennett have, or what were his grades? I want to know that next time he criticizes something that the rest of society can do quite right. easily. So, I mean, just everything these guys do, that it's if you don't win, you look like a... 
like a clown because you've basically been doing all this stuff and you're up 10 and you think the game's over and, and you're doing all this stuff. So it's really nice to see um, a little humble pie served up. Yeah, I hope this loss just stings to the core. And obviously it does. It was worse than the Packers' loss. But when you play on the extreme ends of your emotion like Seattle does, I have more confidence in the Packers to come back from those kind of losses because they're so even keel. And they never let themselves believe they're the greatest thing in the world. And they never let uh, any loss make them think they stink. They're just even keel right down the middle. And I think the organization supports that. When you have Pete Carroll, who's kind of a wacko, and you have all the guys on the team that are almost encouraged to just be... Yeah, Pete Carroll encourages that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you think that a loss like this can... It's going to sting their confidence to have happened to them yesterday um, more than... That was a weird gobbledygook way to say that. But (laughs) what happened to them yesterday is going to hurt them worse than what happened to the Packers two weeks ago is going to hurt the Packers. Oh, for sure. I mean, this team almost unraveled early in the season after a couple of regular season early losses. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were off the rails, and and now you lose your defensive coordinator. You you might lose Marshawn Lynch. You've got to pay, you know, Russell Wilson and some of these other guys. You're going to lose guys, Mm -hmm. and it's just... I, I see them hanging around for a couple more years just because I think that defense is so good and you've got Sherman and Earl Thomas locked up. But I could definitely see this being the type of team that all of a sudden goes, you know, 6-10 and 10 next year and completely loses it too. So um, I don't predict that necessarily. I think they'll be a contender for a couple more years, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and John Schneider is probably going to fill a lot of those holes with some low draft picks. I mean, just looking at that team, that guy... It's sad. I, I knew he was going to leave eventually, but I didn't realize he was that good. I mean, he's every bit, if not better, than Ted Thompson. And so yep. uh, I definitely trust him that he's going to keep him around. Before we transition to the New England Patriots, I thought that the Patriots winning yesterday made me feel better about the Packers, and it really puts a stamp of approval on that draft and develop idea that, hey, if you got the good quarterback, just don't go for broke. Don't go all in like Denver. Just keep trying to get good. And if you go to the playoffs every single year, eventually you're going to get the weird bounces and you're going to win some championships. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, New England, I didn't look it up, but Tom Brady has to have the longest period between Super Bowl wins, I would think, uh, in NFL history. I can't think of anybody else. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, it, it's got to be. And so... You know, maybe that's in store for the Packers going forward. If you, you have Aaron Rodgers, just keep making the playoffs every year. And if they go to the playoffs another eight times with Rodgers, just simple odds has to say that they'll get at least one of those. Yeah. Oh, and correction on what I said before. I, I think I meant Dan Quinn. I think I said John Schneider. Dan Quinn signed with the Falcons today. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's what we've been talking about for the last few years, too, is somebody's got to win it, and very rarely does it seem like it's the best team. I mean, New England's been there on the verge for years and years, and we're kind of that same team. We will crack through again. I mean, we'll get to another Super Bowl, I can almost guarantee it. And you just got to kind of get through and win one when you have the opportunity to do so. I don't think that the AFC is that strong right now. Mm-hmm. You know, even though New England looked good, they're getting older, and, and Brady's getting older, and and the, the Packers are hanging in there. If you can make it through that tough NFC gauntlet, you've got a great shot. So mm-hmm. for the next, you know, three, four years or so, where Rodgers is still in his prime, I think you've got as good of a shot as any. And right now, I'm as confident with our roster as any in the league to potentially be the ones that do it next year. Yeah, and maybe the Packers will make it, and then the four best AFC teams will all decide they don't want to win the Super Bowl in successive fashion. Yeah. <laughs> The Lions, yeah, what a weird playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Lions had the Dallas dead, and they're like, nah, you go on, and Dallas is like, 
beaten the Packers by eight at home in the in Lambeau in the second half, and then they fade away, and then the Packers blow a lead, and then Seattle blows a lead. Uh, very weird. I I would love to know if there was another playoffs where so many teams that entered the fourth quarter with the lead lost. I mean, that has to be. Uh, gosh, every NFC game it felt yep. like, other than the. The Panthers and their mini non-playoffs, those are like exhibition games for the other playoff teams. (laughs) Right, it was just the whole line of those four games going through Detroit and Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Detroit could have very well won a Super Bowl this year had they not blown that against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, teams would have been jumping out of the way to get them to the Super Bowl the way everybody played. That Strange, strange playoffs. Well, let's talk about New England. Um, I was... Pretty somber watching the game yesterday. I was just taking it all in and watching the commercials and trying to just watch it as an important football game between two of the better teams we've ever seen play in a Super Bowl. And I didn't get excited for much until I jumped out of my seat when Russell Wilson threw the interception because it just felt like karmic justice to have that happen to Seattle after what happened to the Packers. And almost five seconds later, I'm like, oh, now New England's the champs. Great. (laughs) <laughs> the, the cheaters, and I like Brady, but still, I want to know more about kind of the, the, the potential that they've been cheating, and, um, you know, that, that they're the originators of the bandwagon fan base, you know, the ones that Seattle emulated themselves after. Not a lot of guys walking around New England with John Stevens jerseys, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I, and I know that the whole deflate gate thing, but I guess I've always kind of blown that off the last couple weeks is yeah if you're someone who got caught for cheating before you should do absolutely nothing the rest of your tenure to do anything even remotely close to cheating because if you get busted you're basically toast if they get caught for this i mean it it ruins both their legacies but i I really don't think it's that big of a deal other than the fact that you've already been caught i mean if this was mike mccarthy and aaron Rodgers, it's probably a small story but Mm -hmm. it's not (laughs) yeah and it's not the act it's the intent i think is what everybody's talking about yeah yeah and and that's true i but I, it's hard to take much away from them. I, th- I just don't understand if you did do that, why you would do it. Because I think Bill, Belichick's probably one of the smartest coaches we've ever seen, at least in our fan watching experience. I mean, you could say Lombardi over him and, and some other guys probably, but I mean, he's about as good as it gets, and, and Brady's about as good as it gets. And mm-hmm. I know all the talk now today is that Belichick and Brady are the two best of all time, and of course that's going to happen. But yeah, uh, that's I, a conversation I, 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 for another day. That's an off-season yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I think they're great, and I think that if they did do it, it's things that they didn't have to do, which is a little disappointing, but what they've done is really impressive. Yeah, the gate suffix is completely overused in the American lexicon, but I feel like here it applies perfectly because them cheating is akin to Nixon cheating in the 1972 election. He didn't have to do it. He's just yeah. so paranoid and such a control freak that he'll take every single shortcut possible to ensure victory because he can't stand the uncertainty that he might lose. And I feel like that's almost how Bill Belichick has operated. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like Twin knows what Belichick seems to be. Yeah, and so we'll see what happens, and I hope that this isn't the end of the story because... I find it fascinating, much more fascinating than the tackle, tight end, and kicker combine day that's going to be on NFL Network soon. Yeah. So I'd rather they continue to investigate this. And Plus, I am was in such a bitter mood yesterday. I just wanted Seattle to lose in devastating fashion, so they felt as bad as the Packers and our fans felt. And then I wanted New England to get caught for cheating so that yeah. everybody loses. And we did have yeah. a huge brawl at the end, so it almost did make the NFL look as stupid as I wanted them to. 
I think it just ended up making Seattle look even more stupid, I think. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. It's, I, I hear you. But, I mean, it was nice to see Brady get another one. And it's always nice to see a team that you, you think New England, like, they've won a bunch of championships, but it's nice to see a bunch of new guys win championships because they've got almost nobody left from the last time they won. Yeah, true. Brady might so, be the only one. Yeah, so uh, a lot Will of... Fork, Vince Wilfork, I think. Drell Revis, I mean, one of the best corners of all time, finally gets a championship. I, uh, I know they don't have a lot of other really huge name guys, but a lot of guys that deserve it. I mean, Julian Edelman's a, a real unsung hero, and um, a lot Maybe of guys like that. Maybe a concussed unsung hero, too, which could be another controversy going forward. A lot of people thought he looked and acted uh, concussed, yes. and he called the uh, Seahawks St. Louis in his pregame press, uh, post, oh, really? yeah, yeah, his and then press I, conference. Yeah, and I was just coming back from lunch today when I was listening to SVP, and they asked him about the concussion, and he completely sidestepped it from what I heard. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, he got a concussion there. You can just tell by the way he's running, but he somehow got away with it, and I guess I probably would have done the same thing. So I guess mm-hmm. hats off to him for now and until <laughs> 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's but, I mean, worth it for a Super Bowl championship, absolutely. Well, maybe. I don't know about that. Uh, if he can remember it for the rest well, of his life. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Ask yeah. Muhammad Ali how glad he is to have had all those great moments. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'd probably still say it was, though, I bet. Yeah, but those guys are crazy. <laughs> um, but it's a different mentality. I don't share right. it. So, um, I did skip one part that I wanted to talk about, and I mentioned it before, before we go to New England and their legacy. Oh, let's talk about uh, Malcolm Butler real quick. And yeah. that last drive, I thought, was enough to have won him the MVP if Brady hadn't have thrown four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. last play alone, I thought he might even win it. But he made that nice play on the curse ball as well that ended up getting caught. But Didn't he have yeah. one before, too, that was a end zone pass that he broke up? Or had really tight coverage on. I feel like that was him too. It was the, like the play before the curse catch. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about too. I don't remember if that was him or not, but I remember that it was a nice defense ball there, like a one-handed knockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, that play on that slant route was incredible. If he would have blown that and, and missed the jump, I mean, the game was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he played it perfectly and somehow made the catch, even though he ran into a collision there. And I had never heard of the guy until the game yesterday, but he's going to be remembered forever, and that's kind of the beauty of the Super Bowl. Yeah, undrafted rookie out of Western Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I think it was Mike and Mike this morning that were saying that that might have been the biggest play in Super Bowl history. Yeah. And, and I had a hard time arguing that, actually. Yeah, my only other thought was um, maybe the Vinatieri kick against the Rams, or game-winning field goals in general. But, I mean, an interception is generally a little bit more impactful yeah. kind of when you're watching it than a field goal is. Santonio so, Holmes... In the back of the end zone is Yeah, cool. that's right there, too. But, I mean, I don't know. The difference between an interception and a touchdown catch, I guess that's kind of up to your personal preference. I think an interception, when you see it, it's kind of the snap thing. You yeah. get this instant rush, and it's a game decider. Like, game was yeah. over after that. Yeah, so it's not I, even like David Tyree, where 4th and 10, absolute crazy desperation, but they yeah. still had to drive another, what, 45 yards to score the touchdown? Mm-hmm. Or 35 yards? So, yeah, that... You went from Seattle's going to win this game to game over, New England wins. Yep. So, yeah, I I think that's a very easy argument. It's hard to argue, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now back to Seattle briefly. Whose legacy was hurt worse by the loss yesterday? Was it Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, Daryl Bevel, or the Legion of Boom? Or the defense as a whole, I mean. I, I, I don't think that it was the Legion of Boom. 
and I don't think it was that defense. I think they're great. They were super banged up, and I think that they, you know, come back full health, and they're just as good next year, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nobody remembers defensive collapses. People still talk about the 85 Bears and how great they were, and they don't remember that in 87, or I'm sorry, 86, 87, and 88, they had top defenses that all got destroyed in the playoffs, and, yeah. and nobody thinks any less of those guys. And I think in this case, too, you're against Tom Brady, and a lot of people attribute what happened to that as well. Yeah. Um, just being a guy at the end of his career who really, really wanted another Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think they're fine, and I think they're still considered one of the best defenses of all time. I think Pete Carroll takes a small hit, but he's still the head coach of a great team, which might come back and do it again, so I think he might be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of leaning between Wilson and Bevel. I think it hurts Bevel the most because, it, like you said before, it might knock out his chances of a head coaching job because nobody wants the guy that made that play call. Well, yeah. And how um, do you lead a group of new men who know you by nothing but you're the idiot who ruined the Super Bowl for the Seattle dynasty? Right. And I, I think it, it hurts Wilson, but I think, again, in the, the same way as Pete Carroll, is you still got a chance to do it again. And I, At least I think in terms of knowledgeable football fans, nobody thought he was you know, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady before this anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think he kind of is what it is, but it does take away the, a little bit of the this guy never loses thing from him, mm-hmm. and that's always going to be on his record. So it's definitely between those two, but I, I think it hurts Bevel the most. Yeah, I think it hurts Bevel the most just because, yeah, the career track has definitely been derailed after what happened. It's going to be difficult for you to go into the Buffalo Bills locker room and say, hey, guys, I know how to win, and one guy in the back say, yeah, you, you, you mean you can lose it for us after we put us in the position to win? I mean, I yeah. think it would if you have any kind of struggles, it would be easy for the locker room to start questioning you. And he's had some iffy stuff anyways. You know, Minnesota, you'd always hear kind of weird things about him getting along with guys, and, man, the the Badgers should just shut down football. Yeah, no more. <laughs> once they leave Wisconsin, they're just the worst. <laughs> I think Pete Carroll, his is weird because I think everybody thought he was kind of a clown yeah. that, that could identify good talent, but he's been around so long that I don't think anybody thought he was this great coach. They're like, wow, Pete Carroll is coaching a great team right now, but it didn't make you unremember his failures with the Patriots and the Jets and, and some of that stuff, but... I think now he just goes back to being Pete Carroll, where, yeah, he's a pretty good football coach, but he's kind of an idiot, and he inexplicably won with a really good team. And, uh, and yeah. I don't think that a lot, of, a lot of people were attributing their success to him anyway. No, <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. yeah, so I agree with that. And I think Russell Wilson, depending on what happens going forward, could be the most harmed by this, because everybody's talking about he's 25 years old and he's got a chance to go back. Well, Brett Favre was 28 the last time he played in a Super Bowl. He, he probably threw 300... 50 touchdown passes after he lost the Super Bowl, and he never got back, and quite frankly, never got very close again. I mean, he got back to one more NFC Championship game, and a lot of guys don't go back. I I had the data somewhere on my computer, but I I can't access it right now uh, this quickly, but Elway, Kelly, Staubach, Brady, Manning, I think those are the only guys who have ever lost, or not, not even Kelly, so Manning... Manning, Brady, Staubach, and Elway are the only guys to ever lose a Super Bowl and return to win one. Mm. You have a ton of guys who have lost them, but think of how many guys who lost and never returned. I mean, there's a lot of guys, guys who could have shifted their career track elsewhere and now are just completely forgotten. Guys like Matt Hasselbeck, for instance. You know, guys who we thought were pretty good and just kind of faded away. Kurt Warner was the best ever, and he lost a couple Super Bowls. He could never get back and win it. And I know it's a little bit of a coincidence, um, but I just think 
people counting on Russell Wilson to come back. And he went from, if he was 2-0 and in the Super Bowl and never came back, he's Troy Aikman. Now he's Joe Theismann if they never yeah. get back. So the story has a long way to go. But if it does, if it plays out the way a lot of other Super Bowl losing quarterbacks' careers have played out, then I think it's going to completely damage his legacy because this will be the play that they remember. Because what right, did he do last I, year? Stand on the sidelines and watch his team destroy Peyton Manning. Yeah, and quarterbacks are a lot more get a lot more notoriety than offensive coordinators too. I don't think Daryl Bell <laughs> yeah. is going to make the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Whereas this could have been that game for Russell Wilson. I mean, you win two Super Bowls and you're in elite class. Where if you just have a good rest of your career, you're probably in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And now that you lose, I mean, if you don't get back there again and win another one with his talent set and you know the way that he plays the game, he's not going to make it. So mm-hmm. he's you know he's got to win more championships. And now is his chance to do it. So yeah, I mean, legacy wise, you're probably right. It might be him more than anyone. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes uh, going forward. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Speaking of legacies, I had one little note here. I didn't know how much we wanted to talk about it. But after watching yesterday and how close it came to Tom Brady losing another Super Bowl in which he played very, very well, I said, championships are, are championships a horrible way to define quarterback greatness? And it's the number one way that quarterbacks are judged. But thinking of how unfair that would have been to Tom Brady if they would have lost yesterday. And he goes from nothing, another loser, 0-3 since they got caught for cheating, to the greatest of all time, four touchdown passes against the number one defense. And literally his stat line would have been completely unchanged if Russell Wilson throws the, the pass. I know that championships are important, and you've got to give guys credit for the big games, but... You know, Terry Bradshaw's got the four touchdowns. He played great in four Super Bowls, and he played horrible in the regular season. You're telling me Dan Marino wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl if he'd have had the Steel Curtain or the Legion of Boom or the Doomsday Defense? I mean, that's embarrassing. One of the more famous games of my young fandom was Dan Marino being up on San Diego 21-6 to and getting the ball for like eight plays in the second half. San Diego comes back to take the lead by one, and Marino, having basically not played for an hour, trots back on the field, zips him right down the field into field goal range, and his kicker misses it. So you're telling me that he can't win a championship? I mean, that's he did everything he could have done. And so, yeah, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, and I, I don't really have a grand point here, but it seems that people get so caught up in the championship argument for the greatest ever, and it doesn't seem to be that great of an indicator of greatness. Once you're at a certain level. Yeah, I, I definitely see that there. I, I mean, you could say that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best of all time, and he's got one, whereas you're probably definitely going to say you'll take him over a guy like Terry Bradshaw or you know Aiden. other guys that have won more, or Eli Manning, other guys that have won more than one. Yeah. I mean, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it certainly is a big thing to play big when it matters. But the things like you mentioned with Marino, they get forgotten. You just look at the loss <laughs> column. So yeah. you're, you're definitely right, but it kind of is what it is. I mean, today we're talking about Tom Brady being the best of all time because he won it. One for so I guess you kind of take that too. I, nobody's talking about um, you know like Teddy Bruschi being the greatest of all time because they won three <laughs> when he was there. I mean you just yeah. you got to take it. I guess as a quarterback, you know that that's what it takes. Yeah, I guess you get the praise and you you get the criticism to borrow a cliche. We've already I mean, talked about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, people like us can create their top ten list and break this down more intricately. Yeah. But And I think most people understand when they've actually watched these guys. But if you haven't got a chance to watch them, like you look back to the 70s, you only know the guys that won Super Bowls for the most part, other than, you know, like Tarkenton. 
and stuff like that. Yeah. So so it really, you kind of get forgotten if you haven't won the championships. Well, yeah, and, th- and that's kind of what I try to do, just part as a hobby, but also, you know, when we're talking on this show. I mean, that point about the 70s is great. You hear all the time that 1976 Burt Jones was, like, the number one season in, in quarterback history yeah. because he had, like, a 100 quarterback rating when the league average was 65. And but those games are hard to see, and then he got he played the worst game of the season against the Steel Curtain defense and got blown away, and now nobody even remembers he played football outside of the big time you know history nerds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. I I know we already did our top ten quarterback list, and I've waffled on mine, but now I feel like I stand by it more. I still think your back end is uh, with Marino and them is probably a little better than mine, but. I want to go back and watch more Joe Montana. As weird as it sounds, I've seen a lot of the, the Super Bowls and stuff, but I want to see some more of the kind of early Montana playoff games. The and, meat. Yeah, the meat of the career <laughs> that nobody ever talks about, uh, the getting to the Super Bowl. I, I want to go back and see some of those in, I don't know, 2045. I'll start talking about them on this show, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, Brady. The last thing I wanted to say about Brady is we've already talked about his legacy, and, and maybe we'll talk about some of this kind of stuff in the offseason. But the one thing I felt super happy for him uh, – gosh, I just am butchering the English English language today. Trying it's okay. To speak. It's the offseason. Yeah, there you go. Um, I felt so happy for Brady when he was doing a post-game interview with Trey Wingo, and – Wingo was making a joke where he's like, well, we found out, Tom, that all it takes for you to win the Super Bowl is to not play the Giants. And Tom laughed like it was the funniest joke ever. And I'm like, those had to be two of the worst losses ever. And now that he got another one on the back end, those probably don't hurt at all anymore for him. And I'm kind of, you know, just for a personal thing, I, I feel happy for him for that. Yeah, and I'm sure you saw Bob Kraft's interview after the game was done on, on the podium there, too. He kind of mentioned that he never thought he'd feel anything the, the way that the first one felt, but that this one was every bit as much. And I can completely understand that. Sure. Because it almost, it, it bookends and completely validates everything they've done, which has been very successful for the last, what, nine years, but hasn't resulted in a championship. Mm-hmm. And it just ties it all together now. So the whole dynasty goes over all of that time now, all 13, 14 years, as opposed to just a, you know, a four-year chunk at the beginning. Yeah, that's a great point. You you got to add the bookend to it. And so, yeah, now instead of being forgotten, you get credit for all of that in-between time where they were the best team in the NFL and not winning championships. Yep. That's a really good point. Oh, that just made me really, really want more than ever for the 07 Packers to have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Dang. Okay, let's talk some of the fun Super Bowl stuff. Before we do that, uh, I put a question on Facebook to ask for some people's opinions on stuff that happened yesterday. I asked, what were you most satisfied with after the Super Bowl and what bothers you the most? And then I asked for some stuff we're going to talk about here. So Brian Dinsey added that the Pats didn't lose on another fluke catch, which is what he was happy about, and that Russell Wilson will get overpaid and their defense will lose enough. So I mean he'll, they'll lose players. What yeah. bothers him is the cockiness of Richard Sherman and the Seahawks, what cowards they were at the end of the game. Bethany Drews added, I'm super satisfied with the downfall and meltdown of Seattle. What bothers me is that Carroll is going to be blamed more for making the admittedly horrible play call than Wilson will be blamed for throwing a horribly ugly slant. Daniel Johnson said he's most satisfied with Seattle losing, and he likes Brady and felt that he deserved another ring. What bothers him the most is that it will seem tainted because of Deflategate. And Eric Hansen said he's most satisfied with the fact that the Packers beat the Super Bowl champs during the season. Which I kind of forgot about. So yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, any quick comments on all that? Thanks again, four of our greatest fans uh, chiming in. Yeah, I, I think Brian had a good point with uh, Russell Wilson getting paid and the defense potentially breaking apart. We touched on that a little bit earlier, but you kind of wonder on what the pay scale is now for Russell Wilson. I think he's probably still a max guy. I, I guess that's more of an NBA term, but you pretty much have to pay him as much as the other yeah. guys at this point or you're going to lose him. Mm-hmm. And if you're Seattle, do you decide to do that? That'll be very interesting to see because I think that maybe this interception showed them that they can maybe get away with out paying a guy $20 million a year and still getting the job done if they can keep all of their defensive pieces. So, But you know yeah. somebody will pay him that if they don't. Would you like to be the guy who makes that gamble? <laughs> From a GM standpoint, and that's the thing—you almost can't. Yeah. But that's—I mean—that's tough. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to do it because, kind of, your your best judgment says that you don't pay him twenty million dollars. But can you let Russell Wilson go when he's already won you a Super Bowl to it? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an almost impossible thing to to do. It would be easier for Carolina or somebody to be the pioneer in that regard. But yeah. Um, I always imagine John Schneider just sitting up in his office, just clicking around on the internet and seeing like. Colin Kaepernick, $100 million contract. It's like, oh, what are you guys doing? And then right after that, Andy Dalton, 120 What the hell? And, you know, throwing something out the window. <laughs> like, you guys are ruining my great team with your right. stupidity. But now, then when it comes to his turn, too, he does the exact same thing, probably. Yeah, but at least he's got reason to. I mean, his guy yeah. maybe isn't, I, w- I would say Russell Wilson's the best of that trio I just mentioned, but not significantly better, but certainly... Even rewarding for past performance, Joe Flacco style, it makes more sense and is easier to justify in the public if it blows up in your face doing it yeah. to Russell Wilson than Andy Dalton, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk real quickly about some of the other Super Bowl stuff. It's the biggest television event in America every year. The as bad as the NFL has had for off season or off field issues this year with all the controversy and all the the different things that they've been criticized for. The overnight rating was the highest Super Bowl rating in history, and it has the potential to threaten the Super Bowl 16 record of highest share, which was almost 50% of TVs in America. And if they could get 50% of the TVs in America in 2015 when everybody's got 300 channels versus 1982 when most people had three, that's going to be an incredible feat yeah, for, for sure. the NFL. And what was 16? 16 was the... 49ers against the Bengals the first time. The first one, yeah. Um, The reason that one, it's an okay game, but it's two teams that really weren't, didn't have any kind of tradition at that point. Both came completely out of nowhere. I think each was like 5-11 and the year before. The reason that they say that was number one is because there was a huge snowstorm on the, almost the whole Midwest and the whole East Coast, so people had nothing to do, (laughs) so they watched the Super Bowl. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the story has always been. Sure. So let's talk commercials. There were some weird ones. Um, I asked everybody on Facebook what was their favorite and least favorite commercial, so I'll start with you, Matt. What was the favorite and least favorite and maybe some other memorable ones? Sure. I I mean, the Budweiser ones are always heartwarming. I thought they had a couple of good ones. Obviously, the horse and puppy one were good. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite, though, I don't even know if they showed it during the Super Bowl, but they did before the game started, <laughs> and it was super stupid, but it just made, made me laugh probably harder than any of them. It was the Icky Woods cold cut one. I didn't see it. I saw him on the screen, and but I, I must have been doing something. There was one during the game that wasn't as good, but he was just talking about his... Um, his methods of making a cold cut special, <laughs> and he had all these things on the table, all these veggies and meats, and he said, first thing, you remove everything that's not a cold cut, and he threw, like, all the veggies <laughs> off the table, and he's like, then you take your bread, and you remove that, 
then you add your cold cuts. So he like just had a plate of meat in front of him. It sounds kind of. Awesome. It was really weird, but it, it made me laugh. So I like that one. Um, I think obviously everybody's least favorite is that nationwide insurance commercial oh. with the dead children. Yeah. That one was pretty terrible. I I saw it and I thought it was super strange, like them that actually showing like the bathtub overflowing and stuff. I was like, wow, that was weird. But I I've heard there's a lot of backlash today on that one. Yeah, that nationwide ad was horrible. They tried to defend it today, but it just didn't really make any kind of sense to me. The McDonald's one, I'm curious to see how that's going to work with the pay with lovin' or whatever. Did you see that? Yeah, I missed the second one of that. I saw the first one was confused, and I just caught, like, the last second of the second one, so I didn't even see what happened. Well, I didn't see much of the second one. I, I read the rules because McDonald's had tweeted it, and it it was just weird. Like, you can call your mom or you can fist bump somebody and... I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I, I saw the breakdown of how many of these random acts they can allow at each restaurant per day, and today was the most. It was 35 per restaurant, so I avoided McDonald's today because I'd rather pay <laughs> twice as much for my Big Mac to not have to dance or do anything. Yeah, I think they showed one guy. He's like, just tell me how much I have to pay. <laughs> yeah, that's how I would feel, and I want to know morbidly what would happen if they gave a request that can't be fulfilled. Uh, for instance, you and I uh, have lost parents, and what yeah. if they insist on us calling the parent who is not accessible anymore? Uh, I, I wonder if, you know, that's going to happen to somebody, and somebody's going to cause a stink and probably get way more than free food out of it. Yeah, that's true. You just start the waterworks up, and they'll probably give you whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to loiter around McDonald's to test that theory, mind you. But I guess I give them credit for trying something out of the box, but I'm not sure how that's going to work. Yeah. Comments on the Facebook page, Brian's favorite was the Dodge 100 Years ad, which had all the old people. Um, I thought that was cool until I realized it was the 31st car ad, and then I kind of lost interest. Yeah. Uh, They really, really wanted us to buy cars, and I don't think I'm going to be doing that. He didn't like the Reds one. I guess I don't remember the Reds ad. I don't either, Um, I guess it was was very forgettable. Yeah, there you go. So it must have been one of the worst. Bethany said she missed most of the commercials and that the car one sucked. So I kind of (laughs) agree with that. Uh, Daniel Johnson said his favorite commercial was the first draft ever, which was the avocado one. I thought that was pretty good. That wasn't bad. Uh, His least favorite was Nationwide Insurance one with the dead kid. So I think America agrees with Daniel on that one. And then Eric Hansen uh, didn't share a commercial, so he he hated all of them, which I think is a defensible <laughs> position. I thought the Doritos one was okay. Usually I thought theirs are pretty bad. but The pig one? There was a pig one? Yeah, the flying pig. No, that I didn't see that. one was dumb. I was talking about the airplane one. Oh, maybe I missed that one. Oh, it was this guy who had an open seat next to him, and it was you could see, sit wherever you want. And so he saw, like, a bunch of ugly people, and so he pretended to have the flu, and then he pretended that he had a whole bunch of things wrong with him and so then he sees a hot girl like two people back and so he pulls out the doritos so she can sit by him and then the person in front of her moves and she's got a kid and then he's feels bad about that <laughs> i didn't see that one yeah so yeah was, the other one they made a you can have doritos when pigs fly and of course the kid like strapped a rocket to a pig and that was it yeah that sounds really dumb i didn't yeah, see well, that <laughs> um and katie perry what'd you think of that yeah, I mean, I usually hate Katy Perry's music, but I I thought the show was at least entertaining. I liked the the part with the dancing sharks and beach balls, <laughs> and that giant tiger in the beginning was kind of cool. Like, it took a couple of seconds for me to figure out how that was actually working, because it looked almost, like, animated. I was so worried she was going to fall. 
Yeah, on the fl- the flying fireworks part. Well, but yeah, well I mean, and off the show. big lion. I thought oh, yeah. gosh, it's either one of those would have been real bad. Yeah, it was a good show, though. I mean, the music was kind of amp, but I, I thought the show was pretty good, considering. Yeah, best tweet of the night that I saw was Will Ferrell actually said, Gas is under $2 and Missy Elliott's rocking the Super Bowl. I'm so glad to finally be back in 2003. And yeah, I didn't know she was performing. I thought it was Lenny Kravitz and, and Katy Perry. And Lenny K- Kravitz was up there for about 20 seconds, and Missy Elliott did like three whole songs. I thought, it was I thought that was kind of funny, and I did not see that coming. Yeah, and Lenny Kravitz, I had heard that he was going to be there, but then he's saying the kiss, I kissed a girl and I liked it part. I'm like, you're yeah. like 50 years old. I mean, that just sounds like the lamest thing ever. If you're like... I don't know. I just thought yeah, it was, that was weird. hilarious. Like I'm like, are they gonna do like kind of a social statement and he's gonna flip flop it? But no, he's like, I kissed the girl and I liked it. I'm like, you're Lenny Kravitz, man. You kissed a lot of girls. What do you say? <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. But yeah, it was a decent show. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, the NFL season is now complete. It was a very strange season. Um, so now we go on to 2015. A lot of things have to happen before we know what the Packers will even look like. But one of the things that, I guess the season's not over. I just thought of it because I just saw my phone. I have over 10,000 emails from celebrities that want to host the Goldie Awards. And oh, so, wow. yeah, I mean, just pretty much you name them, they want to host the Goldie Awards. So we'll have to choose them. But we need to choose our winners first. And I actually have prepared the ballot like we did last year, and it's going to be up on the website. So we want all of you to go and vote on the Goldie Awards. And, Matt, there was one category that I wanted to remove because we had Offensive Player of the Year, which was offensive in quotes for worst slash most disappointing player. (laughs) And then we also had the one-way ticket award, which is what Packer player, coach, or front office member would you want to give a one-way ticket out of town. And to me, those feel a little redundant. And so I think we should get rid of one of those and then add a new category. So which one of those should we get rid of, you think? I mean, they're kind of the same thing. I I like the fact that we can ostracize one player and get them out of town, you know, once a year. I think I kind of like that idea, so I'd like to keep that one. Yeah, the other one, all it has going for it is the offensive pun. Yeah. You know, that's stolen from an NFL Blitz commercial back in, like, 2002. Your defense is offensive. (laughs) Exactly. So we don't need to do that. We don't want to be like Missy Elliott and just be way behind the times. So do you have any ideas for what we should replace it with? Um I have one that I changed uh, and added the Donald Driver Award, which was which player greatly improved or contributed much more than was expected. So that's okay. in honor of Donald Driver's 2002 explosion onto the scene as a afterthought into a Pro Bowl player overnight. But sure. We need that's more. a good one. Now, you're putting me on the spot here. I can't think of anything <laughs> offhand, but we can definitely think off the air here. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, so next time we talk, it will be the Goldie Awards, the the glitz, the glamour. Entertainment Tonight will likely be there um, if they're not doing something else. I mean, red carpet maybe again this year. I know last year it was super successful. A lot of people couldn't find it, but uh, the people who needed to find it were Eddie there. Lacey was there. We've got photo proof. Yeah, I mean, indisputable photo proof that Eddie Lacey was there to accept an award. So that will be fun. Any final thoughts on the NFL season? No, I'm I'm kind of excited for next year already. I guess I'm ready that this one was wrapped up after what happened to our team. So I'm, I'm a good way to put a punctuation mark on it, but I, uh, I'm i ready for 2015. Yeah, I feel way better about what happened to the Packers. Yeah, me too. It's, it's fun to be miserable when everybody else is also miserable. That's right. 
Okay, so for Matt and Altoona, I'm Eric in Oshkosh. Thank you once again for joining us this season, and stick around, because in a couple weeks we'll have the Goldie Awards. Take care, everyone.